Hello and good day, beautiful podcast family. I hope that wherever you are on this planet, you're doing amazing. And as always, I'm sending you my love, well wishes, prayers, and good vibes to you, your family, and your friends. Wishing you all of the best. We've got an absolutely outstanding show for you today. We have my friend, Dr. Bear Paul Lando, back on the show. We are talking about biodynamic farming, um, how you can start with sprouts, Jim Gale's food forest, the three kingdoms, uh, the, the, they, <laughs> the They Live movie the original alchemist schrodinger's cat experiment the power of surrender uh Aramon, active contemplation the work of wilhelm reich bioacoustics the importance of resonance elite occult forces um and the highest technology in the world we talk about so many important things in here i always love sitting down and talking to dr bear so if you enjoyed the show and you want to share it out uh please do so on all your social medias uh, take a moment to leave a review on itunes they are super helpful and if you are listening to this show um, and you've ever listened to a, a show before, you are welcome to join my coaching group as a guest. Um, I'd like to thank Tanya for leaving this review about the Atomic Alchemy coaching. She said, uh, without a question, Atomic Alchemy changed my life. Participating in this coaching program is the single most powerful tool I have utilized on my path to consciously creating freedom and abundance in my life while identifying and fulfilling my purpose. Uh, that's a part of it. So for those of you guys who are looking to get clarity on your life purpose, you want to learn all these tools around peak performance mindset spirituality you know creating your life on purpose check out either the atomic alchemy coaching the soul compass the quantum heart hypnosis or any of the tools that are over for you at mattbelair.com and there's a ton of free stuff as well so uh that's it as always remember the best way to support this show is three kind acts wherever you are in the world and uh, let's come into a state of peace and coherence before we dive in wherever you are in the world just stop what you're doing take in a deep breath in through your nose Hold that breath and let it out slowly, filling every cell, muscle, and fiber of your being with peace, joy, contentment, love, enthusiasm, faith, and get ready to enjoy this amazing episode with Dr. Bear Paul Lando. Hello and welcome to the Matt Belair Show. <laughs> That's the weirdest way I've introduced it. You know, I, the Mastermind, Body, and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. We've got my friend on, Dr. Bear Paul Lando. Um, I was going to do a big intro for you, but I don't think you need one. You're a you're a doctor. You're the formula uh, formulator at Alpha Vedic. And you know, if I read your bio, it is incredibly impressive. You've been doing amazing work for a long time. Um, but then also what's really interesting is uh, what do you even call it? Like a regenerative gardener or farmer, or how, how would you describe that part of yours yourself? Like the formulation and all that, like, how do you describe that? Because what I like seeing now is so many more people very interested in self-sustainability and growing. And you're also a master of that. And we've never really discussed that on the show before. So um, yeah. Do you want to talk about that to, to kick us off? Yeah, sure. Um, I don't even care what you call it myself. <laughs> I don't know what to call it sometimes. Um, so just to kind of play the normie game out there, you know, I did a, a permaculture certification. So that's one of the big buzzwords today. Uh, permaculture means that um, you know how to take a piece of land and intelligently design it so that you're not only making best use of resources, but doing it in a way where you're not screwing up the land at the same time. And, uh, you know, just preserving the land for future generations, you're trained how to um, know how to plant certain plants together that are compatible so that things will thrive, to, uh, you know, together in a better way, like things just naturally do in nature. Um, I already knew how to do that uh, growing up just because I grew up in, you know, as a family of immigrants from Italy and Peru and 
they just grew their own stuff and were more connected to that old world. So I was always out there begrudgingly weeding the, you know, the <laughs> garden and everything for my mom. So I just kind of picked up those skills early on. My wife did too. She grew up in a ranching family. And uh, okay, so I got involved in uh, Rudolf Steiner Biodynamics a long, long time ago. That's another whole angle as far as, you know, how to grow biodynamically, which just means uh, creating a closed loop, uh, you know, in your little own ecosystem on your farm or in your garden so that everything's sustaining uh, itself. Uh, then I've incorporated a lot of things over the years, like biogeometry that, um, you know, allows you to really appreciate how to space things geometrically and create uh, different attributes that will enhance the natural energetics that makes plants thrive and grow a lot better. Uh, I've also, um, for many years, done something called uh, ionization analysis, which is a chemical laboratory process where you extract chemical uh, elements, you look at biochemistry, but then understand how to convert that to electricity because everything in the body or in the soil is all about electricity. So when I look at the soil and I did the same thing in my clinical years, you know, working with bodies, I do the same kind of labs and then uh, convert the biochemical findings into a mathematical equation we call the line of uh, electrical resistance and then use chemistry to tweak the electricity rather than think that the chemicals were the things that do anything in the first place. It's all about adjusting electricity. And uh, so on the soil, what I do is I take that measurement and then I use a minimal amount of intervention, if at all, uh, in order to tweak that mathematical resistance line so that there's a compatible micronage between the rootlets and the soil and stuff just grows better and it thrives. And so if you throw all that together, I don't know what the heck you call it, but that's what I do. <laughs> well, it's like the mastery level. My brain is like trying to figure this out. It's like, okay, well, what, <laughs> um, for somebody who is just starting out, like, would you recommend that most people like have a garden in the backyard? Like if you were starting out now, like what are some basics that you would recommend for people to kind of get into it because, or, or even resources, because it does seem like over the years of, you know, you understanding this, then you've really gotten into the science of the soil and what it does and how it integrates with basically everything, which is incredibly fascinating. So it's going to make a much better product or, or food or, um, what do you like nutritious um, product? So if someone's just getting into it, like what would you recommend they do to start? Um, the first thing I do um, just knowing in hindsight, after all these years is that you want to wrap your mind around your place in this realm. And we are, you know, mankind as we'll call ourselves uh, mankind being a species, not a sexist sort of orientation. Um, we are the event horizon. We are the co-creators in this realm, and that's what we're here to do. So the plant world, the mineral kingdom, all the different kingdoms, we are that event horizon, and we are the master of this realm. That's, you know, again, what we are here to understand. 
And so in that, we are to become responsible co-creators. And when we do that, then the elementals, that consciousness, that awareness that is behind all the different kingdoms, plant and mineral alike, then they will serve us graciously and give us back in abundance if we love and respect them and follow natural law as we steward those resources. So if I'm, let's just say, living in an apartment building in New York City, um, the first uh, thing I would do, maybe I don't even have a balcony, you know, to have a little flower box outside, I would turn my kitchen sink into a garden. Uh, I'd get sprouting jars and, and uh, you know, get a variety of seeds and just really learn what it feels like when you put yourself in that role of initiating life. And it's very empowering for people that have never even done that. So you learn how to just soak the seeds overnight and then, you know, rinse them a couple times a day. And then within a matter of days, you have all these edibles, uh, you know, greens that are extremely nutritious and alive and, and something that you could even sustain yourself in the middle of a food famine in the middle of a city with no garden space. You know, all you have to do is get online and maybe order, you know, a few pounds of alfalfa seeds, radish seeds, uh, broccoli seeds, um, you know, different beans that you can, uh, you know, sprout, create like a power mix with, uh, you know, lentils and garbanzos and the zookies and, and, you know, that's also high in protein, plus it's alive. And, and, you know, now all of a sudden you're master of your own circumstances. All you need is a little bit of water to make the thing go. And people that do that for the first time, they really get a kick out of it because it's like, wow, I did that. So if you have a little bit more of a space, say you're in a townhouse and you have a little patio or a balcony, you can do the same thing, only bring some soil into the mix, you know, create a little planting bed. And, uh, you know, there's all sorts of online resources, um, you know, available that tell you how to do that. Our friend, uh, Jim Gale, uh, is doing a fantastic job for people that just have small yards or larger plots where you can go to his website and, uh, you know, just kind of take some shots and tell him what you want to do and give him the, the lay of the land there. And he'll give you back a whole schematic as far as, uh, you know, how to arrange it, like in a permaculture sort of fashion. And then at the same time, um, you know, give you ideas as far as what plants to plant together in planting beds or in the ground space or anything you have available. So he's a great resource. And at Alpha Vedic, and I'll just mention this uh, as a plug, um, we are creating an entirely new website with the private membership portal, and we will have many videos of ourselves working around here on our own farm, uh, instructing people on A to Z as far as how to just do simple gardening to permaculture concepts, biodynamics. We'll have workshops and advanced things like ionization soil analysis. And so we're going to have a very, very comprehensive presence as far as a one-shop university to uh you know make that available to people that's in the works now but we're well underway but guys like jim gale and other people that already have their little niche i'd you know take advantage of those that's amazing well i like the idea of uh, starting small i remember uh i can't remember who who it was but they wrote the sprout book and uh you know basically oh. basically just you know was was 
just saying get involved with sprouts is like the easiest thing to just get started and there is this massive satisfaction just watching something grow whether you plant a flower or whatever if you planted it and it grows that's satisfying and it, and it is moving towards self-sustainability and that's what we need right they talk about a food shortage which is kind of ludicrous since every apple's got the seeds of regeneration within it and you know that's what we're where we're living and uh, jim gale was on the show as well and you know had the idea for okay you've got your backyard that you could use in your house um in the united states i didn't even know about this until recently about the housing association limiting what you can do you can't have chickens you can't plant certain things which is totally ridiculous um but if we can take that idea uh, a step further and and we had access to planting, you know, trees throughout the city, right? You had Jim Gale and you, uh, you know, just create that model of like, how do we make sure that everybody is fed with the most nutritious food ever? Uh, it would be super easy. You know, there's, there's a lot of space and uh, a lot of public money's wasted. So it's not that complicated, but obviously what the agenda is, is getting us to eat nonsense, crappy food that makes us feel terrible and, and makes us ill. So to have the responsibility to do it ourselves, I feel like is something that we need to relearn, right? Cause you had that in your generation, it was normal. And then, you know, as let's say my generation and, and the future generations that have come, you know, after me, um, we've had more space, more time in front of the TV, more luxury, more opportunity, but we kind of didn't stay grounded right with this you know these basic skills and now it's coming to bite us in the ass and so people like me and, and other people need to relearn these things so then i can teach my daughter in the next generation so i see this as fundamental um when i'm talking about the farming stuff and i'm really excited that you guys are going to be doing that because i know a lot of people are going to be really interested in asking those basic questions and getting started and um, really accelerating their process and doing something um, and doing something's better than nothing. Even if you grow some tomatoes, you, you know, then the next year it might be tomatoes and cucumbers and the next year it might be, you know, another, you know, green peppers or something, you know, and then all your buddies start doing that. You can start sharing and, and um, it can expand from there. But of, as this like simple knowledge of, of farming, is there anything else that you see kind of lost from the older generation coming down to the young one? Like any other big things that you feel like the young ones should be taught? We well, you know, um, we can wring our hands or, uh, around uh, how we've been disconnected and so far removed and gotten soft and all that's true. But I think it's uh, just part of the natural evolutionary process. Uh, expansion, consciousness expansion, evolutionary kind of connotes a, a linear progression, which doesn't happen in nature. So we're expanding ourselves. And, you know, in the old alchemy schools, uh, they understood that all the three kingdoms, uh, you know, animal, mineral, and plant, uh, there's three basic attributes um, that, you know, we can talk about later or not. Uh, but when you understand those, then there's this process where you separate those three things. And then eventually you come back to a, an, an awareness that uh, the separation is also allowing you to purify those three attributes and then eventually put them back together again. And then you have create an elevated whole. That's what they call the ascension process. Uh, whether you call ascension just the elevation of the consciousness of mankind or actually what you know some people talk about in other levels. But the point is, is uh, we have reached the apex of separation. And so we're seeing firsthand the negative consequences of that. You know, we have our so-called science, which isn't science at all anymore. It's just superstitious nonsense. 
but it has shown us the consequences of when you create that separation and look at things in a reductionist, purely materialistic way. And that is, of course, what's brought us into this technological level where we're more concerned about our contraptions and actually, you know, understanding where our food comes from or what the heck we're going to do if there's no food around and we can't just go to the deli for lunch. And most people are so soft that if they just miss one meal, they think that they were dying or something. And, you know, in reality, um, we weigh too much food in the first place. And, you know, people that have uh, taken it upon themselves to just, uh, learn the art of fasting, not starving yourself, no problem with eating, but just the art of periodic fasting and also raising your own food, then you're going to be in a position where, you know, something's short for a day or two, hey, no problem, I'll just take it as an opportunity to give my body a break. And at the same time, you know how to take care of yourself. So, you know, in an urban setting, uh, you can have everything you need. You know, what we already talked about with seeds, uh, you can have a few buckets of grains and beans and all these sorts of things that, you know, you can, you can last for a long time because food shortages are here and, um, you know, they're going to make themselves a lot more evident in the very, very near future. So um, I think I lost track of your original question. So get me back on track there. <laughs> I lost track too. I was just kind of following that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. The train of thought. Well, I was just talking about like, you know, important lost knowledge that we're not teaching these kids, right? Because oh. this new generation is is really, you know, with what they're teaching in the schools now. And and uh it's just a quite a interesting thing that's going on. But I love your analysis of just seeing that this is the height of separation and we're going to mm -hmm. kind of come back to unity is kind of how I understood it. So on that kind of thread, how do you see things evolving here on the planet, whether it's a, a spiritual realm or uh, an individual test? Cause it seems like a lot of the people that I speak to and coach or, or talk to them privately, whether it's friends, they're having challenges with like, if they've woken up to what's going on, like the harm. And I have a problem with that too. Is it's like, I don't want to talk about all the negative stuff all the time of the, the show and everything I do is about building solutions. You know, I thought we'd be building Atlantis and this superfood and the, the best technology and, you know, the heightened consciousness and everything you could kind of imagine. But there's this big uh, block in the way, you know, which is essentially evil people with a ton of power that are really making it challenging to uh, create freely on this planet, especially if it leads to liberation of consciousness, of body, of, you know, independence. And so that's kind of halted it. And so I'm just curious your overall thought on, you know, how you see things unfolding, you know, the individual experience and, um, you know, what we might be able to expect moving forward. Yeah. So I guess what I was trying to get to there was uh, all of these things are leading us to the place where we have no choice but to relearn the old ways. But this time around the block, we have a, a depth of awareness from seeing firsthand the consequences of you know, that kind of separation. So we've gone through the process and now you know, necessity is a mother of invention as they say, and that's where we're at right now. So you have a lot of brilliant minds that are waking up and just saying, okay, uh, you know, how are we gonna solve this? So the first thing we understand is that there's no way to repair the so-called system. We have to understand there's no going back. Uh, the system was designed by people that meant for it to crumble. 
and are now fully intending and impeding any ability to go back. And we wouldn't want to go back to that in the first place because that's what created all of our problems. So now that's apparent. So now we get to tap into our true creativity, you know, our, two, our true inner resourcefulness and, uh, you know, learn how to, to fix this thing and not, uh, you know, expect a political uh, solution of some type because that's not existing. You know, they're all criminals, every single one of them. I don't care what side of the fence you think you vote on. You know, it's, it's all a big rig thing. It's a private corporation and it has nothing to do with the people in the first place. It's a private corporation. President of the United States is a chairman of a private corporation. Doesn't matter, Republican or Democrat, it's like that in every country of the world. So to answer your question, yeah, it's it's a spiritual um, process now, because in order to tap into that level of creativity that we need just to thrive, I won't say survive, because we're here to thrive, um, we need to understand who we are as spiritual beings. And the problem with these bureaucratic creatures that are controlled by these um, you know, that that's another whole story. Who's controlling them? Uh, well, there's good evidence. We know who, they, who they're controlled by. But because they operate on one side of the coin exclusively, they do not have the ability. They have severed their own ties to their creative spiritual side. So they need us, our ideas, our energy, and uh, our sentience in order to create the world that they want, which is basically going to destroy us in the first place. So uh, here we are, those of us that have not only lost touch with our true essence, but are also expanding it consciously because we understand what's happened and we want to get back to being whole sentient beings. The other side, it needs to tap into us as the batteries, as the mechanisms to uh, culminate their, uh, you know, their, you know, the Death Star, or whatever the heck they're trying to create. And, uh, you know, so it's a real interesting situation as they literally are trying to get rid of a lot of us, they still need us. And, and just having known a couple of these folks in my own business behind the scenes, um, there's a little bit of resentfulness uh, behind that, because on the one hand, feeling very superior and looking down at the at the menials who are so easily deceived, you know, and therefore don't deserve their respect. At the same time, understanding they need us, so it's this kind of uh, catch twenty two situation for them. Um, Although if you have some talents, you know, if you're part of the regular population, you've exhibited some, you know, uh, unique, uh, you know, abilities, then of course, they'll try to incorporate you in and befriend you and that sort of thing. But this is a real spiritual war and they know it. And that is why a lot of them are involved with very um, advanced um, occult technologies in order to farm our energies by first controlling us on the mental plane. And those are very electronic, real electronic planes that they know how to tap into and then create those control grids that not just control the population, but have even more control over the gatekeepers, which are the politicians, the doctors and so forth. So, um, 
yeah, it's a real interesting situation, but people that are boldly choosing to jump with both feet over the fence and, uh, you know, be sovereign and just to, uh, you know, at all costs, take any risk to realize, you know, the purpose of what some of us are now understanding why we're here in the first place. Um, you know, uh, we are now being rewarded. We're given resources. We're finding each other and we're actually having a good time, uh, you know, creating, you know, the, the, the source of what most people get um, depressed about and disempowered about is that they have cut themselves off uh, from their creative potential. And we are here as creative beings. So if you want to create frustration, put somebody in a little job, don't allow them to create, make them think that they don't have a right to create or to do something magnificent with their lives. And that's why we have so many screwed up people in the world right now. We have been cut off from that very source, which is you know why we're here. So those of us on the other hand that are just boldly and ruthlessly going forward, um, you know, we are experiencing good times while most people are waiting for the other shoe to drop. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody won't be affected by what's already in motion and what will be culminating with greater intensity very soon here. Um, but, you know, we are creating the solutions and, and developing those parallel um, you know, structures uh, that so that we have a landing place, not for our only for ourselves, but to teach others how to do the same thing so that we can create a new and the folks that, um, you know, don't want to go in that direction, uh, not being good or bad or otherwise, then they are going to experience a consequence of their actions, which in the long run is what they're here to do as well. So it's none of our business. <laughs> wow. Well, that was epic. There's so many ways I could go with that. One of the ideas that came in my mind is the, the movie, they live. You ever watch that one? Oh John, yeah. <laughs> John Carpenter. I didn't watch it, but I know of it. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, in the movie, right. They, he puts on the glasses and you can see these, right. you know, skeleton type of people or aliens or whatever. Um, but it's the broadcast signal that he ends up shutting off. So that's uh, hypnotizing the masses. So I'm always curious because because you talked about the mental plane and I know the power of the mental plane from my study in hypnosis and propaganda and psychological conditioning, uh, looking at the work of Darren Brown and many other people, neuro-linguistic neuro programming um, and things of that nature. You can see how powerful it is. People don't think that they're uh, able to be hypnotized and he's hypnotizing people all over the place, taking their watches, taking their wallet, uh, winning at the you know track with a losing ticket. And, he, and then he shows when he fails too. He also does group experiments as well. So if you check out Darren Brown and you see how easily people are persuaded is very fascinating. And then also the work of Edward Bernays, which I brought up quite a bit uh, in the documentary Century of Self, where an individual will act in a cer certain way, but there's also group consciousness, group psyche, and they're aware of that and they can uh, manipulate that and prod that and kind of coerce us in, in a direction. So it seems a little bit frightening in, in the sense too, because when you talk about advanced occult technologies and, you know, when I think about uh, Bohemian Grove and some of the other, you know, stuff that I look at and, you know, why do they do actually satanic rituals, right? If they don't, you know, believe in that and unfortunately harm a lot of people, which has been going on for a long time. What I would like to have is these positive rituals, you know, this positive understanding, this unearthing of, 
um, these these same principles, but used for good. And it seems like in the spiritual community, whether it's new age or even, um, you know, religious, they haven't really found a way to combine. And it often seems, seems like these uh, movements are hijacked in some sort of way where it starts off good. And then it kind of gets seeded and, and uh, manipulated. So it's not able to kind of pass the bar. My thought with that right now is that it seems to be an individual journey. And then once you kind of pass that litmus test, you find your community. And then from that community, that's where the knowledge is kind of granted, like from the creator, this pure knowledge and this kind of, Oh, uh, esoteric knowledge or the world of the physical, right? Uh, the material world it says in the Bible, you can't worship uh, God and mammon. You can't worship God, the creator and life, right? When you're talking about your farming, you're considering all of life and your uh, participation in that, which is really beautiful. And from the flip side, you're thinking about uh, Babylon and mammon and materialism, you know, money, how do I get more? And it doesn't really matter who I harm. But now it's getting to this point almost where they need to survive. So what will they do to survive, right? How, how ruthless may they come just to survive because they don't have this tether to a spiritual connection, knowing that what they do does matter, that there is some sort of, I don't know if it's a judgment or accountability um, in, the other, in the other space, you know what I mean? And it's not going to be in my perception where it's like a bearded dude judges you. It'll be more horrible than that. Like, you know, the energy of like your mom or someone you love unconditionally and yourself seeing this harm. Um, I, I don't know if it was with you or someone, I think it was with you and Dr. E was talking about somebody going through the near death experience. And when he did that, he felt all the harm that he had done to the individual people, but then also their families. So the secondary harm. So it wasn't supposed to be a good or bad at just what was so that that person could have an understanding of their life experience and the lessons. And so this massive rant, uh, I want to steer to the question of how do we move toward this connection to creator in, in the face of this material world, almost crumbling for a lot of people because i've seen you know right now in the world some people are doing okay from that work and some people depending on their location are really getting their butt kicked so myself and many other people in canada because it's so bad here um now we're getting our butt kicked from a governmental level but what i've been able to do and operate in myself i've been able to adapt to it i still have freedom i still have sovereignty but it's not what it was and i'm okay with that but i can see the freedom level in the states and mexico for now anyway that just looks like a higher quality of living so i feel like i just keep intending that i keep intending for the solutions and responding to what's happening and you know moving in that direction but it's requiring a lot of letting go and so i just love your two thoughts, uh, two cents on moving into this like spiritual uh, power of the creator. Cause it seems like a surrender. Like, I don't think anyone's going to get to this other side or this ascension or this awakening or the solution without a full surrender, you know, in, in the deepest, most profound way um, to make those choices that make no sense. There's no security. There's no materialism. There's no certainty, but you're going to have to cut ties to Babylon and Satanism and, and this thing that's going to drag you down for sure to boldly go into the unknown. Yeah, um, this is a school of non-attachment for sure. That's why we're here is to lose all attachment uh, that we've made with just the pure material realm. And, you know, if you look at those levels that you were talking about, um, the electronic levels, those are real levels that we measure that we use uh, for good, like in the field of radiesthesia. Um, you know, if I 
am trying to help somebody with a physical ailment, I can surgically tune into any of those levels with different instruments and manipulate waveforms in a way to make real changes in real time in that person's physicality. Because if you understand that electronics are what animate what we think of as physical matter in the first place, then it becomes understandable. If you go back to the original alchemist, uh, you know, they had different terminologies and there's alchemists from every culture, you know, in China and Ayurvedic and, uh, you know, in the Middle East and, and in early Europe, uh, they all had ways of talking about the same thing. Now in contemporary times, we can take those alchemical understandings and talk about it in terms of electrical engineering. We can talk about it in terms of chemistry but the whole point is, is we can, any Western mind or otherwise now can understand what they were talking about a long time ago. Not everybody just going through the public full system, but somebody who's taken upon themselves to get a real education. I didn't get a real education in medical school. I had to unlearn a lot of that BS and then go to, you know, real academics that have been around on the planet for a long time. But when you understand how that, that, um, energy matter continuum is not something that can be taken apart, but is a real continuum, then you understand why we get in a predicament when we use our, the most powerful thing we have, which is our attention, and then just focus on one part of the continuum. And if it happens to be a focus on the material realm, now we've taken our creative um, abilities through our attention away from the very thing that created the materiality in the first place. So as we watch things crumble, as you know, people give us a lot of grief, they call themselves government. Uh, it's really doing a service because it's forcing us to surrender and surrender isn't giving up. That's just becoming whole again. That's what surrender really means. It's we're surrendering this myopic single focus on one little speck of our entire reality and then just saying okay uh you know i take you know all focus off of that and i'm going to just start looking more at the totality now you know of course we're our attention is allowing the source uh you know to recreate anything we want so that surrender is always the best thing that happens even though it seems a little risky at first because then that's when the real magic, you know, really starts to happen. So I think um, we're in the most advantageous place now imaginable because we are at the end of that materiality rope. And uh, those of us that are hearing that are giving it up and, uh, you know, surrendering, as you say. And then the folks that uh, aren't ready to go there, again, they're just going to have to experience the uh, consequences of their actions. And there's, you know, I had, a, um, you were talking about near death. Uh, it, I might've been uh, talking to you about that in the past, but I had an acquaintance, his uh, name was Daniel Brinkley. He wrote a book called Saved by the Light. And um, it's kind of a funny story because he was, uh, when I was on Maui, he was giving a talk and uh, my wife said, Hey, you want to go hear this guy? And, you know, there was a swell. And I said, no way I'm going surfing. 
And uh, so uh, I, I didn't hear him. And then I went over on the other side of the island. We had a dinner, uh, you know, engagement uh, at a friend's house. And so we go in there and there's Daniel sitting there. He was a guest, you know, at my friend's house. So so I had a private audience and got to know him just a little bit. But uh, point of the story is, is he died two times. And the first time he was out for hours and and he has a whole interesting background that I won't get into that, you know, make it his experience even more interesting. But on the other side, he had to um, have a life review. And he had worked in military government circles where they're literally assassins. And he also described himself early on in his life as kind of a bully. So he had some things to look at. And he said, what happens is that number one, when you get over there, nobody's judging you. Uh, it just feels like pure love in a way that it feels so good. You can't even imagine it. And there are beings there to support you, but you have to do a life review that. And he says that even if you've had a judgmental thought towards somebody, you know, thoughts are consequences. We talk that in waveform, talk about that in waveform physics all the time. Every thought is an electrical event. And if you are pointing that at somebody else uh, with less than, you know, love attached to it, then you are actually creating harm to that person. Now, imagine now we're at that life review and uh, you have to account for that level of subtle harm you have created throughout your entire life with every judgment you've ever had. And let's just say that you happen to be a person that kind of screwed over a lot of people, uh, you know, just overtly at the same time, you have to feel the suffering that you created. And so what Daniel told me, he said, when you experience that, you won't have to try to discipline yourself. You won't have to go into any kind of practice to remind yourself. You will never even dare have a negative thought about anything or anybody for the rest of your life. It's just, he says, you're cured. And uh, so that's what happened to him. And he has a, a lot more fun things about the story. But can you imagine these people that are creating bioweapons and lockdowns and, you know, starving people out with fiat money and uh, orchestrating food shortages and uh, homelessness and bringing in drugs just to torture massive amounts of people. Oh, uh, you know, if you think about it, you could almost feel a little bit um, empathetic uh, with them because uh, I wouldn't want to have to go through that life review, that's for sure. Now, people as a collective also create energetic overlays that last generationally. In homeopathy, we um, call those miasms. And in homeopathy, there are several miasms that are considered the root of all diseases as we think of them. And uh, so at different historical points, different civilizations who have, uh, and one in particular, that they had a general population that did not mobilize their will force sufficiently against a very minority um, uh, group of people that were trying to impose their will upon the masses. They did not rise to the occasion. 
And so, uh, you know, did not demand that, hey, I am a divine being. You do not have the right to encroach in my space and take over my will force. So as a group, they created this energetic overlay that exists to this day. And it's going to keep playing out over and over and over again until, you know, a certain number of people in the world just, you know, finally say, you know, go F yourself and stand up for themselves. So that's the point we're at. And that's why some of us are just saying, no, that's not acceptable. I do not consent. And of course, that gets into a lot of legal lawful procedure where we, you know, use their own system, their own jargon, their own mechanisms in a way to notice them formally that we do not consent. And a lot of that stuff works. And sometimes you just have to lay it on the line. But there's so much going on right now in the terms of law, medicine, uh, financial, every facet of our existence as a people, that it's all mirroring the same exact single issue, which is we have to reconnect and make ourselves whole again. Wow. Well, that was amazing. One of the things that came up for me was the uh, experiment of Schrodinger's cat, where, um, you know, they put a cat in a box that has uh, some poison in it, right? And then um, apparently if you, the experiment is if you open the cat and look and it's dead, did you kill the cat? Because before you open the box, there's two possibilities. Um, so you force the universe to make a choice. And this kind of goes into the quantum field of, of things and how we manifest, you know, and focus on what we want. And I feel like, when you look at basic things like the law of attraction, it just states that the more attention, energy, and focus you give to something, the more, the more it comes. Um, but then at the same time, there is like this universal force, right? This God force of this game that we're playing out that I think is greater that might force us into certain scenarios, certain uh, learning events, um, certain experiences that may be challenging. You might not choose those, but maybe it's for your good. Like if you trained in football, like you did, you're telling me you're 280 pounds or something, which is absurd, um, you know, in your big all football days. Um, and me as like a martial artist, um, you know, there's going to be challenging experiences to get better, to grow, to be able to adapt to the environment or circumstance or experience that's coming your way. So I see that as a part of it as well. Um, what do you recommend for people on, on I guess, like a, a mental or spiritual level for just understanding themselves and no matter what circumstance they're in, connecting to like that force of hope and good in the face of maybe losing all their job and having to, you know, go forth into the complete unknown. Um, because we know that the, when you look at, whether it's some of your waveform mechanic stuff or spiritual texts that there seems to be a creator, a benevolent force and um, something beautiful and expansive in life. But, you know, we have the yin yang, we have both here. Right. And so there's death and decay and uh, horror and all those different things. So that seems to be amping up and what it's going to require is a greater response of the individual to overcome that. You know, I think it's going to be a choice and, and if you look at the, you know, the vax and all that other stuff, it has been a choice. You have to choose and you have to sign a waiver, right? You, so I feel like there's always going to be a solution. I don't think it's going to get to the point where, you know, they have this horrible scenario, whether it's chambers or, you know, concentration, maybe it will, um, who knows. Um, but uh, I think that if, I think their number one tactic is fear, right? And they will, and they don't want to encroach on your free will. They can kind of like put an ants in a cup and push them and try to make them fight 
but then then it's not in their karma because they've just set up the circumstances um, but they can't just take away your free will it seems and so how do we uh yeah how do you i guess after you know working in in medicine for years and seeing a lot of people pass uh seeing a lot of people have maybe miracle healings like if you ever experienced something that you think it was like god not just so much the medicine but it was like the gift of god or creator or something how do we connect with that and that hopeful um way of being in the midst of potential chaos for a lot of people where or, or they don't have like the um the knowledge yet you know so it's frightening like you go out in the forest and you understand how to grow food and you're with bear grills or i don't know the survivor man and he's not going to be he's fine because he knows how to survive but if you don't have that there's another level of trust to it yeah um you know we're all in different situations and a lot of people will point at my situation and say well it's easy for you to say because you know you live out in the woods you're off grid you grow food and and you know how to do all these things, but what about the rest of us? And exactly, I just Bear, say, well, what about the rest of us? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, um, very valid question. And uh, all I respond to that was, well, do you think I just got here overnight? It took me 70 years to get here. I just started doing my homework a little bit earlier. Uh, I chose a, a, a vocation that actually allowed me to prove out certain things, you know, by observing thousands of bodies over 40 years to see how things really work. Um, you know, and so I just chose a different experience and, and learned what I needed to learn. So here I am. And uh, I also went through the school of hard knocks and, you know, you and I, I've shared a few stories with you uh, behind the scenes of some of the risks that I took, uh, you know, throughout the whole journey. And some of those were hair raising to the extreme. Uh, several times I was convinced I wasn't going to get out with my life. Uh, and, you know, and I, because I was seeing my comrades uh, having their lives taken for, you know, some of the things we were up to, not doing anything wrong, but just during the challenge, um, you know, the prevailing uh, vested interest, we'll say. So, you know, we all do what we have to do. I'm still alive, you know, and talking about it all after all these years for one reason only is just, I'm supposed to be here. So otherwise I wouldn't be here anymore. And I would say to anybody asking that question, it's like, you're here. And as long as you're here, there's a reason. So make best use of it. You know, we are in an age where we have the advantage of a lot of knowledge. I don't think it's time for um, a newbie to just think that they've got to get really academically inclined and read everything out there. I don't think there's time for that. And I don't think it's necessary anyway, but through your experience, you can very quickly learn. Some of the things that I went through early on in my experience, uh, you know, we went through the difficult way and really had to, again, stick our necks out uh, and, and a lot of times getting them chopped off just to learn uh, to see if our ideas or our theories were correct. Now, some of those things that we did learn through that experience over the years, they're readily available on the internet. Uh, you have tons of people on your show where they're talking about everything under the sun that uh, will give people solutions so you don't even have to spend the time or take the risk that somebody like myself had to do 50 years ago. 
Um, so I would argue that right now is the most opportunistic and easiest time to make those large shifts, and you will have more support than any other time historically to do that. Um, yeah, so I, I just, uh, oh, and, and just let's just talk uh, real quickly about how do we just within our inner consciousness go about this? Um, a lot of people will say, well, you got to meditate, kind of get quiet within yourself. There's great value to that. But let's understand that that meditative kind of getting out of your own skin um, ability, you know, that those sorts of practices help us do, which gives us a good bird's eye view when we, you know, do that um, in and of the itself, that is a very passive um, state of being. And in an electrical sense, it's negative, not meaning bad. And if you look historically, there was a being that incarnated just like you and I, and there's a whole process that people could understand as far as how physical matter or even an embodiment happens through those electronic levels to put us in this situation in the first place. And of course, for, um, you know, more complex uh, individualizations of the uh, creator like you and I, um, you know, there's a, a, a very uh, uh, evolved process and reason and purpose behind why we embody in the first place. But if you um, understand that, then you realize that we are put in a simulation, whatever matrix, whatever you want to call it, for a purpose. And uh, that means that we are experiencing things at that pinpoint of compression that creates what we our physical senses report back as physicality. So going back to the spiritual practices of the East, it's all about getting out of that materiality and looking at it from that perspective. There was an embodiment, his name was Lucifer, who is not this guy with a pitchfork and horns, but you know, many people historically have understood who that individual was. And he embodied in the Eastern part of the world and his whole um, inclination and the energetic that he um, imposed on those civilizations in that part of the world were those more passive, meditative, contemplative um, states of being. And again, there was great value to that. Now, on the other extreme, uh, we have somebody who uh, Steiner called Araman, who was like the lord of materiality. You know, in Chinese medicine, we have the, the Shen and the Ko cycle. It's kind of like mom and dad. Mom's a little more nurturing. Dad kind of says, you know, let's uh, set down the law. And if you have two good parents to offset each other, you have happy children because there's not one extreme or the other. Well, now we're brought into this Aramonic era. And what the... Uh, the bureaucratic uh, controlled class is attempting to do through their occult rituals is bring forth Araman. Some people think he's already embodied, embodied, but you know, when you look at CERN and all these different things that they're doing, it's literally trying to create the space to bring that disincarnate entity who embodies, uh, you know, into embodiment, but also embodies that essence of pure destruction, materiality at the expense of a whole spirituality. And then, um, you know, what Steiner did in his lifetime, he brought that theosophical side, which is a Luciferian. 
into the Christ consciousness, which is a median point through anthroposophy uh, that is a median between Aramon and Lucifer. And that is, uh, you know, what you call the Christ consciousness and that middle way, which they call the Tao in, you know, certain civilizations um, is what we are all striving for. So if you have Aramon and these people having their way, that's what leads to artificial uh, you know, intelligence and trying to merge with machines and think that we're going to become immortal by doing an end around spirit ain't going to happen. Those guys have already lost. I mean, it's insane what they're trying to do here. So um, they are literally trying to bring in this, you know, this destructive element and pure materiality and edge God out or, or energetics out and, and, you know, spirituality out at all costs. And uh, so again, the middle way is if you look at our part of the world, the Western world, we are great at manifesting. You look at the Eastern part of the world, you know, historically not that great at manifestation. Um, you know, now you put the two together and you have spirit that is bringing in both sides of the equation. And in waveform physics, that's exactly what we talk about. You know, when we're creating that toroidal field between the compression radiation cycles, it's that happy medium that's the Christ consciousness. That's where we're at now. So back to uh, how do we do that, our inner work as an individual, that's called active contemplation. We don't go into a pure negative meditative state, and we don't go into a pure doing, doing, doing state. We bring ourselves into our daily activities where we are constantly aware uh, constantly focusing in on source, who we are and where our energy is derived, where our source is in the first place, and then creating from that place. It's called active contemplation. Most people are out there, they can't stop doing, and they have no idea that if they just tuned in on source for a while, their doings would be a lot more fruitful. And then you have the folks that think they need to meditate six hours a day, and they're just sitting there doing nothing and getting in an overly negative state. So uh, the time of all these different practices, uh, you know, I'm not saying it's over, but it's time for us to just carry on that consciousness in everything we do all day long. Holy smokes, bear. <laughs> I don't I, I think that was mostly positive. It's like uh, something out of a like comic book, you know, and we've seen things like that. And I've heard uh, ideas like that, you know, the, the return of the antichrist and things of that nature. And I've also heard that a lot of the stuff they're doing with genetics and testing is because they can't leave, you know, like we have the genetic encoding of the creator uh, to leave this realm or place when we pass. But apparently these people have severed their connections with creation. So they're trying to figure out a way out. Have you heard anything like that? And when we get into kind of like spirits, he talks about that in the Bible and the esoteric. Um, and we also know from some of the rituals they do they want to split the personality so that an entity can come in um so this would mean that we don't really have the full grasp of what's going on in this realm and so if that's happening the questions that i have is how do i know if i'm praying you know to god or the true creator right because everything in this reality seems to be inverted you when you go to the parliament of world religions they got over 200 different religions to choose from there's similarities um right and you have these different practices and you can have a good intent 
and maybe get a little bit misled, but you have like that good heart to try to find a true creator and true creation. So in your life, you know, what's your experience with like God creator or great spirit or however you would um, phrase that for yourself. And how do we get to that genuine connection? Because it seems like there's a lot of different paths and they, I think they could lead to the same way. Like they say, there's a million paths to the way home. Um, but you know, that's one thing that I, I pray about often is like, I want to be, you know, kind of being guided by the great spirit, the true legit God. God, but then in the law summit and other things to say, well, God is, you know, not the God you think or something. And then it's like, oh, Jesus is real. Like Jesus is not real. Then you go into the law summit and apparently the 1611 King James Bible has a lot of power. So does that mean he was a real person? Is it a, is this contractual story, you know? And so it gets into some pretty crazy stuff, but I, I have had these direct experiences with something so far beyond, um, human comprehension and word that I know that that that's a power. And I think it's unknowable and unnameable. Um, and that's kind of the thing that I want to be guided by. So I kind of use the, you know, different terms for it, like life and creation and want to be involved with things, you know, that's, that's growing, right. That's uh, solutions or oriented. That's mindful of my surroundings and what I'm doing versus destructive versus, you know, having the mindset of what can I take? How can I gain more material? And I, and it feels like it, it's the apex of those polarizations right now, or it's swung too far um, in the polarization of materialism and power and conquering where this great spirit, you know, is, is kind of harmonizing itself automatically. And I feel like when you talked about earlier with these groups of people, since they've severed their connection with creativity and creation there, they have no idea what that response is going to be. And that's why I'm optimistic. You have this, um, like ace in the hole is the worst way to, you know, not a great way, but this un, unimaginably powerful force that is in all things that could just change things immediately. Right. What I think in, in nature, they talk about um, the spontaneous herd movement and things like that, or the hundredth monkey effect, if that's a real thing and all these different ideas where all of a sudden we could all be lit up immediately and just have a knowing uh, and a power that we can navigate through any challenge, you know? And so I don't know. Tell me what you think about that rant. <laughs> I said, I could go like a hundred different places. Like, I don't know. I'll, I'll listen to you talk, but it just brings up so many different ideas. Cause I'm always contemplating, you know, what this world is. I see uh, a, a challenging and like fearful time. Right. But I don't want to get stuck in fear because I'm nervous about, you know, the life for my daughter. I want to have a, you want to have a meaningful life that contributes to people. And I have one, a good spiritual connection but when you go down and you try to find the truth, the, the be all end all truth, it just seems to be like one deception after another, which gets you closer to the truth. And so I guess I, for myself, I'm just trying to learn how to be deceived less. Well, as they say, that's why we play the game. Um, by having our experience, that's how we learn discernment. And, uh, you know, I've, uh, made every mistake in the book, um, trusted the wrong circumstances and wrong people. I can tell you how I got every gray hair on my head. <laughs> but through that, you know, you do learn discernment if, you know, you consciously, you know, have that intention. Um, you know, in the realm of electricity, we're talking about the polarities, and we also talked a little bit about how those polarities will manifest 
you know, the two kind of energetics we called Lucifer and Araman. And in the middle of every polarity, there's the fulcrum. The fulcrum stays steady. It stays still. And that is the point where we're striving for, where we are not on either side or swinging right to left, but we are in that point of stillness. If you look at that fulcrum in our physical body, it is the heart. It is uh, the heart is literally that place of stillness. It is neurologically more complex than the brain as far as its physical structure. And it also uh, possesses the bandwidth, the ability to um, tap into much greater uh, uh, levels of awareness. Now, of course, what we think is real and what we can't conceive beyond what we think is real is because in that stillness that creates all in the first place and puts those forces into that electrical polarization to create this simulation, uh, it's stillness. It's a place where nothing is yet manifest. So for us in the polarities, it's unfathomable. You're absolutely correct. You can't name it. Uh, you can't conceive it unless you get to that place of stillness. And that is absolutely possible for each and every one of us. So through experience and uh, by making a lot of bad decisions and just being responsibly accepting the consequences of, you know, those things you put in motion, you do, it's like biofeedback is the best way I can put it. You do after a while, if you're, you know, have that intention of understanding what's true and what's not and what your path, you know, is, uh, you know, what your true purpose is or when you're being led astray and your heart will never let you down. Once you go through that biofeedback, you know, back and forth, back and forth. And, you know, it's like getting shocked when you turn this way and pretty soon you learn, you know, uh, unlike Homer Simpson that keeps going dope, um, you know, after a while you go, oh, okay, I get it. But then at the same time, you learn how to just get that internal feeling. And it is a very, um, it is a very distinct feeling. And when you can tune into that, you just know. You can't explain to yourself. You can't explain to anybody else, but you just know what's right. You know what you have to do. You know uh, when somebody is leading you astray. Uh, another way of putting it is it's the best BS meter imaginable. So uh, that's just something that you have to develop. Some people come, you know, into this embodiment with a particular inclination, a little bit more developed, you know, the veils are thinner. Some of us have to go through more experience, but either way, that's why we're here in the first place is to get to that fulcrum of, uh, you know, stillness. Uh, you know, the other thing is if, if a lot of this, when we start to talk about Araman and these beings and, you know, embodying, well, how do you think we got here in the first place ourselves? We are spiritual beings that through certain reasons took on a body. And again, through the science of alchemy, through, uh, you know, all the, the more westernized understandings of what the alchemist always knew, we can explain how an embodiment 
of a mineral, a plant, or even a, uh, you know, a human, an animal can come into existence in the first place and how that process works. If anybody thinks there isn't the realm of interdimensional beings that are not embodied, I would point them to ample evidence that was put forth by many people's work, most notably by, um, uh, oh, who should we say? Uh, um, boy, a number of people that were with, uh, let's just say uh, Wilhelm Reich. Um, with his experimentation and through other people that worked with his understanding and some people that came before him, they were able to develop photographic techniques using infrared technologies and actually photograph the presence, universal presence all the time, everywhere of all these interdimensional beings, of vessels and all sorts of things that are going on simultaneously every single moment. But just like the, the microbes that outnumber our cells about 10,000 to one that are crawling in and out of our body on the surface inside. And it's kind of ironic, we're afraid of microbes, right? But there's, we're more microbes than anything else, but we aren't aware of them, we don't see them. The same thing on the interdimensional realm that people like uh, Wilhelm Reich proved, uh, they are there and amongst us all the time. Now, some of those interdimensional beings that they would literally take pictures of, and you can go to certain books and see those photographs yourself, uh, you know, and, and um, you know, authenticate, you know, the, what they really are. Um, some of those interdimensional beings that are disembodied have no interest in us and are just having their own experience. Some of them are, are individuals that have been embodied but have been trapped in certain lower psychic realms and are greatly controlled and basically tortured beings. Um, and some of those uh, beings are more elevated consciousness and are trying to leave breadcrumbs for us for our own benefit to assist us from behind the veil. And some that uh, uh, some individuals who were associated with the work of Wilhelm Reich, they called them the boys from downstairs, because not only are they aware of us in a physical realm, but they are making it their business through their abilities in that level of interdimensionality to manipulate us on the mental plane. And that is what Rudolf Steiner referred to as Aramon. And he had the inner sight where he could see what these people could see with, um, you know, infrared photography equipment. And he drew pictures of Armand and what he saw. And that's also been authenticated later on by people that use cameras to actually pick up the same images. So these are real interdimensional beings, some neutral, some, you know, on, on either side of neutrality. And so when you have your, your Clintons and your Pelosi's and, um, you know, the, 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 the folks that you've got up there in parliament in the North, um, they are all practicing occultists that are working with those aromonic forces and using rituals like they do at the Bohemian Grove that you're talking about that are actual practices 
that open the space for those energies to come in and their ultimate, you know, dream is to have one of these creatures embody. And in the field of radiesthesia that I've talked about in biogeometry, we are tapping in, measuring and manipulating waveforms and doing all those things on those electronic planes, just the way they're doing. But we know that if you manipulate on that plane, to the detriment of others, you're, you know, buying yourself an e-ticket on the karmic wheel for a whole bunch more times and we wouldn't dare go there. But we're using that same technology to benefit, to heal and to bring in light to the planet. They are doing just the opposite to hopefully in their mind, get greater control. So every, we're just talking about electronics, no good or bad, but, you know, number one, you have to discern um, uh, you know, what forces are at play in your life, you have to, well, it would be useful if you had an awareness that this is a reality in the first place. And then you kind of have to choose a side and, and have an understanding of, you know, what side of history you want to be on in the first place. <laughs> Holy crap there is like a light, light listening. Well, it's, it's, you know, all those concepts I've heard, I've definitely heard of before. And it, and it makes sense that if we only see the very smallest uh, bit of the light spectrum, the smallest bit of the sound spectrum, that there's so much more to this reality than uh, we understand. And if they, these things weren't real, why would the elite be doing these things, which have been confirmed, unfortunately, which are, are really terrible. So my thought is always then, how do I move towards the, uh, are there practices and tools that move us in the positive way? So when we look at what could be Tartaria with the, you know, the cymatics and the windows and these old cathedrals, right. And, and a lot of people hypothesize that they were energy generators. Um, I think I, I had did a podcast with Dr. Nisha Manik and she was a, a doctor, but then she woke up when she, um, she went into a building and had like a multidimensional experience in the building. And when I explained to her, you know, Tartaria, which is essentially that these buildings could be orchestrated to create a resonance that kind of makes sense. And the same thing was happened when I was in Egypt, they had this wall in Saqqara. And when you put your head in that wall, there was a vibration that you could feel through, you know, some sort of technology that they had access to. And it does seem like they're burying these things, right? You can use, you know, if you look at, um, uh, electricity or waveforms, they could be harmonic or they, you know, and, and induces a positive state, just like sound. You can listen to beautiful, perfect sound and it creates a feeling and a resonance and an attitude and an energy. Um, and then you could have, uh, you know, the complete opposite of that. And unfortunately, it just seems like this world is using all these negative tools. So I'm excited about the idea of using all of these tools that are there. It's like a, a gun. It could be used for a good thing or a bad thing. You know what I mean? Maybe a grizzly bear is going to try to get you probably not if you're on the highest spiritual form is going to leave you alone um you know it but like any tool like a knife you know it could be used for many life-saving things and it could be used for evil as well and that's kind of how i've seen um even religions and spiritual teachers where you know you might even be teaching something that's like i don't know not the most effective or the most aligned but you do it in a in a like karate, for example, like karate is great. Um, but in a street fight, sometimes versus uh, maybe like wrestling, it might not win as many times as just that basic brute force of wrestling. That's just something we've learned over time. Um, and it goes right back to the Greeks, which is an interesting thing. Um, but it doesn't mean it's, it's bad or wrong. Um, so same with the spirituality endeavors, you could have Mr. Miyagi, 
you know, teach you. And then you can have whatever the Cobra Kai guy was teach you same kind of principles. So when we look at the technologies and you look at, and you see things like Tartaria and Egypt and these technologies, um, do you think that we're going to get access to those? Cause you're moving into waveform mechanics. You work with a lot of people who had cancer and terminal illnesses, and it turns out the body can heal itself given the right conditions uh, many times over. So when we see these ancient technologies, do you see them as electricity? Do you see them as ways that would um, put out energy to the community, but also as a spiritual and energetic uh, spa, so to speak, or enhancer, as, as some people, you know, think it might be? Well, it's all about resonance and resonance is that conduit of, uh, you know, creating the, um, you know, the substance that we think of as materiality in the first place. There are certain elements here on the ground in our bodies that are capacitors and they pick up the higher resonance from above that would keep everything in perfection as far as, you know, our physical forms, our experience, our institutions. And you're absolutely right. Again, when you just go into some basic courses in biogeometry, you find that all those structures, cathedrals and everything, not only have they been there a lot longer than you know, what we understand, uh, but also they, they had dual purposes. They brought in energy to um, you know, run an entire society. They also were of a nature rather than beaming in, you know, uh, some of these microwaves, I won't say numbers because uh, YouTube is flagging those right now. But if you bring in certain kinds of microwaves uh, that they're doing now that are vertical short waves that are very noxious to our biology and our consciousness, uh, these older structures that brought in the higher residents would not only supply uh, culture with their energetic needs, but it would elevate their consciousness at the same time. And that is why at certain points historically, uh, those were disassembled uh, and, and the technology suppressed by folks that did not want the mass of the people to go in that direction because they desired control over those same populations. Uh, my experience in medicine, I used many of those things, you know, and I, I, uh, you know, do a lot of modalities, but, you know, one of the things that um, was very prominent was uh, traditional acupuncture and not acupuncture the way it's taught, the way I had it in naturopathic college, I had to go study under somebody who really, you know, had generational experience from the old country. And you realize it's totally different than what Mao left behind when he was trying to rip the heart out of, you know, what used to be real acupuncture, which is more than just sticking needles in people, but it all was about resonance. And when you go back to the Shan Han Lun, which is Bible of Chinese medicine, you realize the elements as they talked about them, when they talked about earth, wind, earth, uh, fire, wood, you know, metal and so forth, water, they were actually talking about notes, uh, you know, like the fire element is C sharp, you know, as an example. And so they're actually acoustics. And so when I practice acupuncture, I would go about it in a whole different way. But when it came to an end treatment point, I would use acoustics in order to introduce the sound right in there. Now the old masters too would also do qigong. When my study in, uh, you know, uh, martial arts, you know, I did learn how to project energy to a certain extent. So, you know, I just didn't stick a needle on somebody. 
um, but you know, it project energy, but also, uh, you know, which is a, a type of acoustics, uh, but it's a, a, it's a innate organic technology, uh, you know, that you can use and humans are the most technologically advanced machines in the history of everything uh, up to present day. So we don't need anything outside of ourselves, but you know, I would use tuning forks and things. Uh, you know, in order to create the exact keynote that I needed and not just a keynote, but if I wanted to create, uh, you know, different, um, you know, harmonics by doing thirds or fifths, you know, then I would team up with different things to create different effects. But it's all about resonance uh, through the sound fields. And that's what these old buildings used to do. And it doesn't have to be through audible sound. I had a um, room in my clinic uh, years ago that I created. Uh, I invited in uh, a woman who is very gifted as far as her ability to hear uh, her name is Sherry Edwards. She's still out there and doing amazing things. Uh, she was studied by the military because they wanted to understand more about, you know, why this person had these abilities. But before she was well known, I had her come out to my clinic and she taught a whole week uh, to my staff and helped me develop my own sound room. I was already working with a gentleman in Great Britain where I learned different things. And I also had a teacher who was a well-known conductor um, um, and composer from Germany, who at that time was the leading um, authority on Rudolf Steiner, the leading teacher of Rudolf, Rudolf Steiner in the entire world. I just happened to take care of his family medically. And uh, he had a whole sound room. It was amazing where he had gongs and things from all over the world. And so I got an amazing um, you know, education from him. But with all these things, I ended up practicing you know, um, resonance therapy, we'll say, and I developed a whole room with uh, apertures and light frequencies that create geometric forms and, and then also uh, ways where we could discern the missing notes that are, uh, you know, all of us have so that you could supply that missing tonal field and then do a, num another, uh, a number of other elaborate things within that room to create a very impactful event to uh, you know, jumpstart uh, a person to another whole level and also help them you know, heal their bodies dramatically. Um, you know, we're uh, here on our land going to create another sound studio. It's going to be a dome structure. So you know, that's uh, you know, kind of one of our near future things. But you're absolutely right. It's all about resonance. Electricity, you know, when you pluck a guitar string, it's just like an electrical polarization, you know, things vibrate and the resistance between the two polarities creates the thing that we hear with our ears. If you know how to use that intelligently, then you can create any effect in anything you want, including producing energy right out of the atmosphere or materializing matter right out of the atmosphere. Holy crap, Bear. <laughs> Man, each time I ask you a question, it just goes deep. And, you know, this is just scratching the surface because all of these uh, topics, I know that you've really looked into deeply and then also tested them. And, and we see the evidence of this in cymatics, right? And uh, many other things. Mm -hmm. And so um, it's just really fascinating. And it makes you think, you know, what is possible. I think the Rife machine, the Royal Rife machine uh, was supposed to use uh, frequency, right? Know the frequency of the disease or the disharmony and be able to use that frequency to, you know, eliminate it. Um, so there's, there's things like that. Or do you, do you think that when this uh, kind of 
impediment is lifted. You know, these people taking all the technology, right? Buying it, killing people, doing whatever they can to suppress the, the technology, uh, which, which makes perfect sense because we know a lot of doctors got killed. You, you know that. And unfortunately, you had to experience some of that firsthand um, with people that you knew. And you could look at what's happening today. You can't even get information out. You can't even speak words and ideas. So obviously there was, you know, history was buried and rewritten and, and modified and, and distorted. Do you think we're going to get to a point where we get to re-engineer all this stuff? Because if this impediment wasn't here, I always imagined we would be living in what, you know, some people would call Atlantis, you know, free energy and, and peace, you know, and harmony and, and good quality food and, um, you know, the, the difference in our psyche and our consciousness, because we're basically all operating from a traumatized consciousness, whether it's from the media, from the stuff we view in the world, from this feeling of unsafety, even Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Most people aren't uh, past safety and security because they look out in the world and it's so dangerous and a threat. You're going to have a different operating system than being an enlightenment and self-actualization and peace and, um, you know, out of fear with your uh, fellow man. So you can do that. You can live in self-actualization and peace and faith. Um, it's just harder to do right now because of all the impediments. So I guess the question is, do you think we're going to get to a point where we get to really dabble in these technologies and uh, really share them and, and see what limits they, they have and rebuild all this stuff or re-remember. Um, absolutely. Uh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. I was just gonna say like re-remember cause it's still there physically. Some of it, you know, it's like, yeah. it's like, they can't knock it down. It's so beautiful. You look at these, you know, we went down to Toronto the other day and you see the Tartarian building and then the new bullshit. You're like, look at how magical. And I was like, I can't believe I just walking past this stuff, you know, not cluing in how just, incredible it is versus the nonsense we build now yeah right next door you have a subway sandwich place in a strip mall you know it's like <laughs> yeah it's either like steel and glass which is the new stuff or it's like i don't know it's like kind of plastery concrete crap we have a lot of that in canada oh it's horrible horrible um no to answer your question uh, i don't think we ever left uh that uh, knowledge has uh, ne never left the planet. It's here. It's alive and well. Um, some of us have been dabbling in it in different levels. Uh, and I believe when the mass consciousness shifts, when enough people uh, courageously um, take that bold step, um, then all of those things will come back, uh, you know, with full force and very quickly. Um, and, and again, we have to understand that there is no external technology, even the things we're talking about that, you know, on a grand scale, you know, with the old buildings and architecture, all the way to our iPhones. None of that could possibly exist unless it already existed within us. So we are the most advanced living technology and in that light, we don't need anything because if we were fully developed, we would understand how to walk into a room and manipulate the atmosphere and have it light up. Because in every atmosphere, if you look at the ether, which has been taken away from the scientific curriculums, you know, that I had to go through in school. Um, but you go back to old school, you, you learn about ether and the orgone. All those are, that is a conscious energy field. And when you can 
interact with that with a certain level of awareness, you can have it emit light or do anything you want it to do. So there's really no need, you know, to create warmth, to create any quality that you want. So there's really no need for an outer technology. On the other hand, if an aware population wants to create beauty on the planet and, and, you know, cities that are functional and aesthetic and not harmful to any other part of life, including the larger ecology, you know, that is a wonderful thing to do. And that's part of why we're here in the first place. But I think the first step is each of us to at least make an attempt to discover that source within ourselves and the good thing about that, it will protect us in our own experience to a great deal the further we go from any encroachment from these people, you know, that are trying to harm us in the first place. And a lot of the things you do on your show, you know, you bring in people in all different realms, including the legal lawful realm. If, uh, you know, people say, oh, I've got mandates and I've got to do this or that. And, well, if you understand, number one, who you are how that system has been devised to get your agreement so they could do those things to you in the first place. And then you learn how to use that system to, uh, you know, formally notice them uh, that you are not consenting. You know, that again is a very empowering experience. I don't think there's any piece of paper or form that's going to get you out of the woods. But when you understand their deception and how they've uh, done this in the outer world, and when you own yourself internally, and then you use that outer form in order to resonate what you own internally to the outer world, your problems with those legal structures are going to go away. I guarantee it. Yeah, Bear. Well, again, you brought up a lot of uh, really great points. I could chat to you all day <laughs> i was just like we're just it feels like we've been chat for an hour and a half and it just feels like i got a thousand more questions <laughs> but i know you've i know you've got uh, some farming to do it's uh some people are coming over to do some stuff so i just kind of close it and ask like, is there anything uh that you wish that i'd asked or that you want to chat about before we close this episode Boy, I can't think of a thing. I think we covered quite a bit of territory. I uh, just got always love to talk to you, Matt. And, um, you know, what we always say on our podcast, and, and I, you know, would say to your audience is just get outside, get reconnected, take your shoes off, get your hands in the dirt. And, um, you know, nature is the original technology. And the more you get out there, uh, which is why I have become a full-time farmer in this phase of life is uh, number one, I enjoy it more than anything else, just being out there and, and just being surrounded by nature all the time. Uh, but it really has all the solutions. It's that thing that is going to most quickly help you reach that fulcrum of stillness that we were alluding to. And uh, just, you know, then you start getting those true messages that you, you know, feel within your real brain, which is the heart uh, that will never lead you astray again. Amazing. Well, Barry, yeah, I could talk to you like <laughs> all day, every day. That's why I was with this show. It's even funny at the beginning. I was just like, we were just chatting before. I was like, oh, right. We're doing a show now. So it's just fortunate that other people can um, just hear 
about your messages and your work and your life experience. So I highly invite people to check out alphavedic.com. You have a wonderful uh, podcast. You have all of these, you know, whenever, every time someone wants to do a podcast sponsor, I always, you know, say, Hey, look at this, right. As far as like pills and supplements, you combine so much of that stuff. So if you're, you know, going through something and you need some help, like, I don't know if you, you, you have a lot on the website, but a lot of the stuff that's out there as far as supplements, you like combine them into super duper supplements. So I recommend people check that out. Cause every time I uh, share something with you, you're like, Oh yeah, you add this. But then if you add this, it's like even better. So you really uh, know your stuff. So I'd invite people to go check that out. And, and your podcast is great too, because you know, it's practical, but you also go down the rabbit holes and you have this uh, wealth of experience, this wealth of knowledge and um, you know so many people that you've talked to in your life and so you have this open-mindedness but this also scientific outlook where you're looking for proof you're looking for evidence and you're trying to verify it in your own world so uh, I just appreciate your um, your work and you coming on the show and everything you do thank you Matt thanks for having me always an honor to be with you love you a lot and uh, keep up the good work because you're doing amazing things over there yourself. Uh, thanks, Bear. Well, I love you too. I can't wait till I can get out to your farm. I'll probably be just living in the yeah. back. I'll, I'll build some, I'll squat on your land and we'll see how that goes and do a podcast from the shack. But uh, I look forward to that day. So thanks so much for coming on the show and uh, thanks everybody for watching. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, the absolutely amazing Dr. Bear, Paul Lando. I hope that you enjoyed it and you will share this episode, leave a review on iTunes. If you liked it and you found it valuable, uh, check out the telegram t.me forward slash Matt Belair. I also have a discord that you can find the link to in the telegram and on the email list, which is the best way to find me. Uh, you can still find me on Instagram on my third account, um, but the best way to stay connected is directly through the email list because it is uh, very challenging. So uh, that's it. Thank you guys so much for listening. I appreciate you. And and um, let's just come into a state of peace and coherence before we close this episode. Wherever you are in the world, just stop what you're doing. Take in a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath and let it out slowly, filling every cell, muscle, and fiber of your being with peace, joy, contentment, enthusiasm, faith, courage, peace, and get ready to enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll catch you in the next episode.